May peace be with you. If you stick around at the end, there's more information about our community and how to find us. And now, here's this week's Centering Scripture, followed by the sermon. God, you are my shepherd. I lack nothing. You make me lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside quiet waters. You refresh my soul. You guide me along the right paths for your name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in your house forever. Uh, from Romans. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be re- revealed to, in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in the hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly, eagerly for our adoption as children of God, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have, we will wait for it patiently. Please pray with me. Christ God, may these ancient words of Scripture become living word in our lives that we may serve you with faithfulness and joy. Amen. Let me answer the question that's in a lot of your hearts. Angie's doing really well. Um, Thank you so, so very much for your care and your prayers. Um, It was a really terrifying time. A week ago Friday, we thought she wasn't going to make it. And um, they finally got her on the right uh, medicine, and each day she started getting better instead of each day getting worse. So she, home as, this is our 26-year-old daughter, um, home as of Wednesday, each day uh, walking a little bit farther down the street and back, and they expect a full recovery. It was a whole bunch of things all at once, exacerbated by Murphy's Law. And the doctors are confident it's, it's a one-off. It's not going to happen again. So we're, we're so grateful. Um, 
Some of you have been there. Some of you have lost children, and it's yeah. So I I, I had about six hours of euphoria <laughs> once we got the official word she's out of the woods, and uh, and I thought I'm never going to be unhappy again. <laughs> uh, you know, if it's not my kids, I'm never going to worry about anything again. And about six hours later, just it was sort of PTSD and just sort of back in the. <sighs> Uh, but <clears throat> Chris and I are, are coming out of it, uh, but, but be patient with us for a few more days here. Um, but we're so, so grateful. All right. Today, I'm going to shine the light on mental illness. And of course, I'm going to begin to make a dent in one sermon. We could do an eight or 18-week series to start. Here's where I'm going to go. I'm going to briefly touch on the following. First, if you are suffering from mental illness, you are not alone, statistically and literally. Struggling with mental illness is astoundingly common. Therefore, mental illness is not something of which to be ashamed. Third, you're not alone. Community-wise, we are with you on your life's journey. Fourth, I encourage you to seek help. Five, ways we can help each other. And six, advocate, advocate. And finally, where is God in all of this? Mental illnesses include, but are not limited to, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, depression, anxiety, ADHD, borderline personality disorder, PTSD, and so forth. I'm preaching about this because in my morning devotions, I, I keep a journal. There's different categories of people that I'm praying for, people in grief and people in, with physical health needs and people with mental health needs, and it's my biggest category. Until a year ago, I had never preached on the subject of mental illness. That's a confession of sin. Well, how prevalent is mental illness? These figures are from the National Alliance on Mental Illness, NAMI, N-A-M-I. They come from 2019, which is what? Before the pandemic. We can imagine figures have been much worse the last three years. One in five U.S. adults experienced mental illness in 2019. One in 20 experienced significant mental illness. One out of six U.S. youth aged 6 to 17 experienced a mental health disorder. Death by suicide is the second leading cause of death among people aged 10 to 34. Hospitalizations, aside from hospitalizations related to pregnancy and birth, mood disorders are the most common cause of hospitalization for all people in the US under age 45. To me, the surprising statistic of those is that only one in five US adults experienced mental illness in 2019. I would have guessed that anxiety disorder alone would affect one in three. It seems to me that I hardly know anyone who is not on anxiety meds. And thank God for the anxiety medication. Four of the five people in our immediate family are on anxiety meds and probably will be all of their lives. 
I am not, I'm evidently the cause of anxiety. <laughs> but I am not because of dumb luck, pure dumb luck, lucky genes. Point being, if you're suffering from anxiety or depression or any other mental illness, you're not alone. It's not something of which to be ashamed. How many of you have ever had surgery? How many of you have ever had a broken bone? How many of you have had cancer? You don't have to answer, raise your hand if you don't want, but I'll ask you. How many of you have experienced a mental illness, anxiety disorder? Thank you. Mental illness is illness. It's a medical condition, like asthma or a broken leg. My wife, Chris, went through a debilitating bout of anxiety back when we were here at St. Luke in 1998. Our co-pastor, Barbara Batten, asked her if she wanted to be on the prayer chain, and Chris said, oh, no thank you, because she was embarrassed. But after a few minutes pondering, she realized that it was nothing to be embarrassed about, and she called Barbara back and said, yes, I want to be in the prayer chain. God bless her. Mental illness is not an embarrassment. It's a disorder of the brain. It has to do with the way, the way the brain works, with the chemical balance or imbalance in the brain, and with the structure of the brain itself. It's not caused by lack of faith, by inadequate prayer, unconfessed sin, moral, or personal failure. These are quite simply medical conditions and can be treated as such. Now, in a sense, I'm preaching to the choir because St. Luke is way ahead of the curve, way ahead of most churches on this. And I'm so grateful for your long-time depression, anxiety, and support group. And if you want to know more about that, you can call the church office. My father-in-law, Reuben Jacobson, suffered greatly from depression. He was hospitalized at least once. He came from a very solid, faithful Lutheran family. His sister, while he was hospitalized for depression, sent him tracts, essentially saying if you had enough faith, you wouldn't be troubled with this. I've not known a more faithful man than my father-in-law. He was in church every Sunday, tither, lifelong Gideon. His trunk was always full of Bibles. Um, supported missions all over the world. Man of deep faith and deep prayer. He didn't have a lack of faith, he had a lack of serotonin. It's not a moral failing. Similarly, addiction is not a moral failing. Alcoholics' brains are different from non-alcoholics. I remember a parishioner long ago who was very open about his alcoholism, though he'd been sober probably 10 or 15 years by this time, but I remember him <laughs> saying, a lot of people think it's just willpower. Well, let me, let me try this out on you. Next time you have diarrhea, 
Try not to go. <laughs> See how far willpower gets you. That's what it's like for us. It's an illness. Stigma is such a problem for people with mental health conditions. People feel ashamed. People don't want to get help. Which brings us to the third point is if you suffer from mental illness, you are lucky to be here. This congregation is not comprised of judgmental, holier-than-thou folks. We're all struggling with something, yes? Maybe you're not struggling with anybody? Anything? Well, you might not be today, but you will be tomorrow. That's life. Number four, seek help. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And isn't that what it feels like sometimes? Deepest darkness. A young man who suffered terribly from anxiety for years said this. When it gets really bad, Pastor, I am in unbearable psychic pain. And I don't care about anything else. I don't care about my family. I don't care about my job. I don't care about anything except getting some temporary pain, uh, pain relief. And so we drink and use drugs. The psalmist continues, I fear no evil. You, speaking of God, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Let this community be God's rod and staff for you. In recent years, resources have proliferated, proliferated, NAMI, N-A-M-I dot com, NAMI, National Association of Mental Illness, tons of, or, of information. And of course, talk to your doctor, talk to your therapist, talk to your pastor. And I'll beg of you this, if you are feeling suicidal, to call 911 or 988, which is the new number for the suicide prevention hotline, or go to the emergency room, it's 988. But 911 will do it. Call Nora or me. Our cell phones are on 24-7. It's not an imposition. Let me share some success stories. That young man I referenced a minute ago sought help. He went to therapy. He got on some good anxiety, anti-anxiety meds. Went to AA each week. He exercises every day. He's now four years sober. And he reports, I've never been so happy in my life. Another young man of my acquaintance suffered from bipolar disorder and addiction. He struggled coming to terms with his sexual orientation. From age 18 to 21, he attempted suicide eight times. He got help. He was hospitalized a number of times. He went through chemical dependency treatment and then the step up program at Augsburg College for kids with addiction issues on to a master's degree in counseling. Today he's 33 years old. He is himself a successful therapist, owns his own home and a rental property, has good friends. Life is not perfect for him, but it's pretty good. 
and he's functioning well and glad to be alive. <clears throat> Five, here's how we can help to see the person, not the condition. Listen carefully. If you have a family member struggling with a mental health issue, obviously learn as much as possible about that condition. Help them to find professional help. Express your support out loud with simple, caring language such as, I am sorry you're going through this. I want to help. It isn't your fault. It's an illness that can happen to anyone. And six, advocate. Advocate for more mental health services in the community, in public safety, in the schools, in jails and prisons, and for veterans. A third year law student interning in the county court system reported to her father, Dad, these people I deal with every day, they're not criminals. They have mental illness or addictions. We shouldn't be throwing them in jail. They need to get help. And finally, where does God fit into this picture of mental illness? I offer you a few thoughts on the subject. First, and this is very important, if you've been daydreaming, I'll come back. Okay, I know that happens, so just uh, back with me. Where is God in this? God did not give you this illness. God did not look down or over or up, wherever God is, at me while I was being formed in my mother's womb and say, I think I'll give this one these things. Despite his good diet and regular exercise, I'm going to give him high cholesterol. Like his brothers, I'm going to give him congenitally bad feet that require surgery. And just for fun, I'll give him male pattern baldness. <laughs> Other than that, I'll give him really good health, mental and physical. I had a good golf game this morning. I'm feeling generous. Yeah, that did not happen. God doesn't give us bad things. Some people are born blind. Some with tendencies toward mental illness and or addiction. Some, like my best friend in high school, can solve Rubik's Cubes in 15 seconds. Some can throw a baseball 100 miles an hour. Some are born missing a limb. Why? Because the universe is a largely random place. The tornado hits one house and misses the neighbor. If you suffer from a mental illness, that was not God's intentional So where is God in the midst of our illness? Sometimes God feels totally absent. Many of the greatest theologians of the church suffered from a desolating perceived absence of God. Even Mother Teresa. Do you remember after her death when her journals came out? And she wrote about, it was like 15 years where she had not felt God's presence. It just broke my heart. St. John of the Cross termed this feeling the dark night of the soul. 
So many of the great saints of the faith faith experienced that. That subject's worth a few sermons itself. Our faith says that God is indeed with us even when we don't feel it. We rarely get miraculously saved from the challenges of life, but we believe that God is right there with us in the challenges. As William Sloan Coffin so famously put it, God is short on protection, but long on comfort. Matthew 11, we read these words of Jesus, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. When life overwhelms us, let us come to Jesus in prayer. Admit our weariness and do our best to rest in the love of God. I invite you to find a line of scripture to use as your touchstone, your mantra, mantra, if you will. One of my seminary professors told us about how anxious his mother was after his father died. She was left alone in a big house, and she was scared at night, even though it was a perfectly safe neighborhood, and intellectually she knew there was nothing to be afraid of. So she started repeating that wonderful line from 1 John, perfect love casts out all fear. And she focused on perfect love, that is Jesus. Perfect love casts out all fear. She'd repeat it over and over until she could sleep. And within two weeks, she was no longer afraid. My favorite lines of, one of my favorite lines of scripture comes from the Apostle Paul's last will and testament, which is the book of Romans. At the culmination of his life of faith, Paul writes this long letter summing up what he has learned about following Jesus. He declares in Romans 8.18, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory to be revealed to us. In life and in death, we belong to God. Don't ever forget this. You are God's favorite. You're the cherished child of God. Amen. As a church located on Lakota land in Minnetonka, Minnesota, St. Luke is a joyful, inclusive, intergenerational, and compassionate community on a spiritual journey seeking to do justice, make peace, and to walk humbly with God. We invite you to join us live for virtual worship each Sunday morning on Facebook or YouTube, or by following the worship links on our website, stluke.mn. Thanks for listening. May you go in peace.